Welcome to EU Code Week Podcasts. We bring coding, computational thinking, robotics, and innovation closer to you, your community, and your school. Hello, everyone, and welcome. We are your hosts, as always, Eugenia Casadiego and Arjana Vlasic. Hello, Arjana. Hello, Eugenia. Together with the rest of the EU Code Week team, we create and produce content to help teachers introduce coding and data skills to the classroom in fun and engaging ways. One of Code Week's goals is to find the best solutions to integrate digital skills into today's education, as well as their application in the real world. That's why today's episode is about digital changes and solutions that can be applied right away, as well as the much needed cooperation between schools and industry leaders. And furthermore, we'll also touch on access to technology for all pupils and as well the digital skills that are needed for today's society. Today, our guest speaker is Maria Rahamagi, a young, enthusiastic entrepreneur from Estonia. She is the founder of Edumus, a marketplace and platform that connects schools with professionals and specialists from different industries so that they could teach a certain subject over one school year. Thanks for joining us for this podcast episode, Maria. Tell us a bit more about yourself and the projects you are currently working on. Hi, firstly, thank you for having me. I would say that I've always been a bit entrepreneurial. I, my entrepreneurial journey started already in high school where I uh, participated in a Junior Achievement Student Company program. And uh, after that, uh, in university, I started contributing to their alumni organization to promote this program amongst students even more. As I was doing that with my volunteer work, I got an idea that why not enable the same opportunity for specialists in other fields as well. So they could come to schools and teach something that they will feel passionate about. And as in Estonia, likewise in many other countries, you are lacking teachers. It uh, seemed like a great opportunity to enrich the uh, kind of teaching uh, scene. And now, having done this uh, for about three years, we are now actually starting a distance learning school for elective subjects. So we would be able to enrich education with different new niche topics even more and uh, be able to bring students together with uh, potential teachers, no matter where they are and what they're interested in. Thank you for sharing how you uh, have enriched education in your country. And I would like to connect this with uh, your Twitter motto, which is creating the next paradigm in education. How do you see this happening from a digital perspective? Yes, I see that uh, first day, this digital part is essential to create this new paradigm of education. So I see the future of education system, firstly, will have to be really student-centric, be able to provide wide variety of uh, learning opportunities uh, for all students and have the learning more asynchronous, meaning that uh, you don't have to be dependent on time and place so much anymore. And to be able to do that, digital classrooms and digital learning materials will be essential. 
And to, to make these changes a reality, would you say that the changes needed are more in the curriculum or are more into the spaces and the materials and the, the, that we have available? I would say that uh, the changes in education system are needed mostly from the organizational viewpoint. The curriculums and uh, most of the materials are fine. Uh, it's just a question when and where should uh, the students learn according to this material. Because if you as a student are interested in say applied biology now, should you wait for the next year or the year after or some, uh, uh, I don't know, stars to align to be able to learn that or rather to be able to do it right now. From the edtech field, I see that there's lots of materials and learning tools out there available already. It's uh, now the matter of uh, organizing the education system so that the students and the teachers would be actually able to use them uh, in time and opportunity when they're most effective. I would also like to ask you about the school's role. So, as you say, it's also up to schools themselves to enable, to ensure that these changes really take place. What would your recommendation be in this regard? So, what can schools do to make sure that their students are provided with all these opportunities to learn when it suits them best? Also, what suits them best? Firstly, uh, I'm really lucky to be in Estonia. Like schools and teachers are very autonomous when it comes to their work. And there's lots of opportunity to choose how they organize it. However, by sending those specialists to schools to teach for three years, we see that the schools would be happy to involve those specialists. However, those organizational aspects which came into way, sometimes schools just didn't have the time resource to be able to involve those specialists. And thus we saw that starting our own schools for distance learning uh, would be the best way to go. However, we are not going to compete with uh, the existing schools, but rather we're partnering up with them. In Estonian high, high school education, about a third of uh, curriculum is already elective subjects. And so far, the schools have been responsible themselves to be able to provide this wide variety of topics. However, of course, it's not so easy when the schools still have to work with the existing budget and whichever classes they will be offering, they would have to get the group of 12 or more students together, which in a small school means that even though elective subject, they might not have much choice at all. So, for example, when I was in high school, I could choose between uh, drawing and uh, entrepreneurship. Quite random choices. I'm glad that I was super into entrepreneurship, so it suited well for me. However, there were definitely students who thought probably that both of those uh, options are quite off for them. So with distance learning schools, we are offering to firstly partner up with schools so their students can pick from our 25 different topics, which uh, they would be able to 
choose from. So instead of two or three choices, which would be available in their school, we can offer about 10 times. That doesn't even matter anymore where those uh, teachers are coming from. And we can actually create them much more diverse and unique learning experiences than would be able in a regular classroom. So in a way, you're widening the topics and the options to study at the school level. Then you're like opening up new possibilities, right? Exactly. I think it's just so very important to introduce a diversity of topics in the classroom and a diversity of subjects as well, just so students can get a bit a closer look into many different areas. And also it helps in a way to orientate them better into the job market in the future, just because they get more familiar with other topics. Exactly. One of the quite sad statistics that right now in Europe is, is that 17% of 20 to 34-year-olds are neither working nor in education. So it means that, uh, like bad to say, but the education system has not served those people well. They just don't know what to do with their lives. They feel that their like next choice of higher education or work is like the biggest decision of their lives and the most critical one. However, if they don't, uh, if they're not informed enough and if they feel that they don't have enough kind of tools or inspiration to be able to make that choice, then uh, they're postponing it. And yeah, I'm seeing uh, some of those young people in social media as well, who are perfectly smart, capable uh, people. However, they feel like they don't know what to do with their lives. Totally. And as well, that percentage is surprising in a way, but like many member states, including my own Spain, struggles with these figures and struggles with this yeah, switching from education to work or, you know, further in education of people. So surprising, sad, but, but in a way, yeah, just I think it's a similar story across the EU unfortunately. And so before, Maria, you were talking about um, distance learning. And so at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, schools struggle a little bit with this switch. I don't know how it's in Estonia, but we did see that many students have a double kind of digital gap or digital barrier ones in accessing stable internet connection that didn't come from a mobile phone, tablet, um, and another one from accessing devices such as even a smartphone, a tablet, or, or a laptop. And so we're very interested in one initiative that you have set up which is called Every Student Online that, that helps connect those students that would need those devices with donors. So can you tell us a little bit more about it? But most importantly as well, how do you see schools addressing, if, if you vouch for distance learning, as you said now, how do you see schools kind of helping bridge this gap in the future? And, and then, yeah, do you think there will be in the future then, according to what you said, a need for every student to have a device and internet connection at home? And how do you see this flexibility that you said before, and this is student-centered pedagogy happening in this concrete level. Yeah, over here I see again that we're quite lucky to be in Estonia where all the digital tools were quite like intertwined and used in education system already before the pandemic. The pandemic really didn't disrupt our education system as much as it did in other countries. However, uh, still there were families and students who lacked devices to be able to connect with the distance location right away. And thus we started uh, indeed every student online in Estonia and uh, to uh, provide these. It was firstly uh, private donors and then like after a week or so, also companies were able to come abroad to be able to provide uh, devices on even a larger scale. And Estonia as a small country, 
in the first month or so, we provided 1,600 different devices. And I think that, well, most critical places could be covered because there were also devices from schools that were loaned out to the families. And yeah, regarding the connection as well to the internet, our telco companies were able to step in and provide free access to the students and families in need. So that went well. And yeah, overall, I would say that the Estonian education system came out stronger from the distance learning experience. And I would say that this experience is a basis of first day at our school of distance learning, but also many other initiatives that uh, we are doing over here now. That sounds actually really inspiring. It's also inspiring to hear that you also got covered this other internet aspect. Um, and also inspiring to hear that there was such a good or cooperation, at least with industry partners. And this is something that I wanted to touch upon right now. So this cooperation between the school and the industry professionals. And so my question now, Maria, would be, um, do you think there should be a connection then or a continuous connection let's say ongoing connection between edtech companies and schools and how can this cooperation be achieved and what do you think are the benefits that schools tend to gain from a continuous cooperation between them and industry yes i think that as time goes by the cooperation between industries and education system must become much closer as uh, with uh, one really good report also brought out that the education system needs to prepare uh, students for increasingly complex, volatile and uncertain life and the future. And that means that the education system can't uh, really know anymore what are those technical skills and knowledge what the kids need. We don't need facts anymore. We can't uh, really teach even coding in such a way that we can be sure that these exact skills could be used in 10 or 15 years from now because the technology is developing so much faster now than the education system is. So... Thus, I see that the close connection between different companies, industries and education system is essential so that firstly, schools in cooperation with the companies would be able to teach kids the skills which are actually important and needed in the future and also to be able to explain and answer the question, why is it needed? Where will I use it? Because even if we teach skills that are important, however, can't convince the kids that this is what's important, then they might not learn. In any case, schools, teachers need to support students in gaining these key competences and skills that you mentioned so that they are actually able to to apply them in different contexts because they don't know what the world will look like when they start their jobs, their careers. But my question is now, how can schools approach industry professionals, if they want to engage them in teaching, how can can schools find professionals who are willing to teach their pupils? I would say easiest to, is to start with teachers or schools' own networks. And this is what schools have uh, been doing even before, I don't know, uh, in Estonia, to reach out to parents and, yeah, maybe their connections. But I would like to see that initiatives uh, such as Edomos would pop up in every country because it's quite difficult for companies as well when tens and tens of uh, schools uh, would uh, approach them all independently. And, well, companies in it, 
in themselves, they don't regard themselves as education facilities. So having this organized uh, more centrally is something that would definitely benefit. And we with Edomus as well, we are not only uh, active in Estonia, but uh, we have already sent uh, teachers to schools in Ukraine. And we're currently uh, working on uh, starting Edomus school also in Armenia. And now with the new uh, refugee crisis uh, with Ukrainians, we are also exploring the idea of bringing refugee teachers together with refugee kids so their education journey would uh, not stop and be interrupted too much. So yeah, we over here are happy to share our experience and like maybe uh, expand our own concept to other countries too, or we would be happy to see something similar popping up by somebody else. So definitely, I would encourage everybody to kind of take initiative and uh, think bigger than uh, just their own classrooms or schools, but uh, think how can we organize it for the whole city or why not country? And not only for uh, connecting professionals with schools, but as you mentioned, in different and challenging situations like we are in right now, so that we are ready, that the education systems are ready to react in the best possible way. My next question would be about the eagerness, so to speak, of industry professional to contribute to education. What does it mean? What does it look like when they take up the role of a temporary teacher, for example? Uh, what does a typical lesson look like and where does it take place? There are actually lots and lots of uh, specialists who are happy to teach because uh, they're usually people who are between uh, their 30s or 50s and they are already successful in their careers. They have a like, steady life and they're happy to find ways to give back and also learn themselves some more. With Edomos, we are involving them to teach one grade in one subject over one school year, meaning that they will be that subject teachers for that particular group of students. And as we are training them in uh, basic uh, pedagogical and uh, didactical skills, then actually there's classes uh, look quite similar as with other good teachers in uh, these subjects. And uh, what's really special about them is that they can really bring in their industry knowledge and experience and illustrate all the classes with their own kind of stories and experiences. And why is it important that uh, we would uh, learn certain skills and knowledge? And when it comes to organizing their teaching, they can also sort out the things that are not relevant anymore, uh, which is also really important. Yeah, indeed, I think it's important, especially in this aspect that you just mentioned last, just to make sure that whatever is taught at school is, is still updated and relevant, especially when it comes to, to technology, because it's, it's hard to keep updated. So it's industry that has the latest and it's industry that has that knows what's, what's um, the most relevant thing to be taught. And so how, how do you see from your experience teachers kind of reacting to this new role of the industry in, in schools? 
Well, I would say that uh, as Estonia has been struggling with lack of teachers, likewise many other countries, all the existing teachers are quite welcoming for these uh, new people who come with this new energy and want to contribute. And I've heard uh, great stories that, uh, for example, some math teacher who was previously really desperately overworked and now was able to contribute with like a normal load and how thankful they were to those people who came in and helped to teach with like one group of students. And uh, yeah, otherwise, like this feedback has been uh, really positive from schools and teachers and students alike. I understand that. And I think indeed that concern of teachers having a heavy workload is, is certainly not just in Estonia, but I think we hear the same from, from many of the teachers of our community, from, from our listeners. As you know, in Code Week, we, we defend the idea or, or we try to promote the teaching and learning of coding and, and programming more in general. So it's it's kind of accepted that we must or we should at least introduce digital skills in the classroom and that our pupils should kind of get familiar with the digital world. But what about programming? Would you say that it's needed to teach programming at the schools? Do you think it should be part of the curriculum or more of a side subject is perhaps one of those topics that you offer to schools? How, how do you see programming in, at school level? Yes, I definitely see that the program is a skill, like a language, that uh, should be taught to all the kids or almost all the kids. It's like any other, you know, second or third language that uh, kids in schools are learning. So I see that it should be that, exactly. So if I'm in Estonian school and can uh, choose if I learn English, German, Russian or, I don't know, Spanish, then programming languages should be uh, next to that as well in the future, I would see. And uh, yeah, otherwise, I see that uh, all those digital skills should be really embedded in the whole learning journey. So it will be forced, uh, but rather playful part of the experience overall so it would be enjoyable both for the students and for the teacher because for worst thing we can do is start like forcing things for students and that can create the really traumatic experiences which uh, would result in quite the opposite that we are right now aiming for I absolutely agree that teaching programming language is actually very similar. It's equally important as teaching any other language. Now, Maria, as we are getting close to the end of the episode, we'd like to hear your opinion on, so to say, balanced use of technology. You as an educational technology activist, how can we achieve a good balance between technology and more traditional teaching methods. Which elements should we take into account before introducing new technology in the classroom? And also maybe the other side of it, when does technology become too much? When it turns into an interference rather than support? Well, I would say that the balance really depends on each and every student, topic, and uh, like other variables as well. For example, quality of the technology, which is uh, used to. So it's really impossible to say, I don't know, 30% of the class should be digital and others should be like, I don't know, regular book or something like that. I would say that uh, right now we are using less technology compared to like we can use. So I would say and encourage all the teachers to try involve new 
apps and new teaching methods all the time just to kind of learn and be able to kind of test out those new solutions right away. Because especially with the new solutions, it's really important that they would get some testing and get feedback from the users. To close the episode, Maria, so thank you for this very interesting conversation about technology and industry and about the opportunities that this can be brought. I, I hope, listeners, that it's been as, as interesting as it is for us to, to listen to Maria now. And so one way that I would summarize our conversation is to say and to highlight how technology can actually help improve the way that we teach at the school and improve in the sense that it can provide more flexibility for students, but also for teachers in terms of the topics that are being taught and also in terms of the relationship with industry as well and as well as we talked about technology at the classroom level at the school level rather can also help with enhancing cooperation between countries between industry between students and teachers between families and schools and so I think that's that's one thing that I take out of it and I think as well another very interesting thing that I've learned from this episode from you Maria is I really found very interesting your opinion on how the classroom of the future or the school of the future should be and indeed I think the key word here is flexibility and just since we've learned a lot from this previous couple of years where we have went to distance learning I think now is the time to grasp that learning and to make it reality and to really apply that flexibility that we gave to students during pandemic so to apply it as well during let's say normal if we go back to normal teaching uh, and learning kind of methods. But Ariana, what would you say are your highlights out of today's um, episode? Okay, I absolutely agree with you and Maria as well, uh, that it is so important to provide students with choice and allow them, enable them or provide them with opportunities to learn whenever it suits them best. Indeed. And, and so, Maria, is there something you would like to, um, to add to or to wrap up this episode to, or to say to our listeners? Yeah, firstly, thank you uh, for this opportunity. I would encourage everybody to just keep learning and keep testing. Maria, thank you so much for joining us for this Code Week podcast episode. I'm sure our listeners now have a much better understanding of the connection between schools and industries. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this Code Week podcast episode and you have found lots of inspiration and ideas in this episode. Listeners, don't forget to check out our website, codeweek.eu, where you'll find plenty of materials, resources, as well as lesson plans and, of course, the other episodes of this season of the Code Week podcast. And as well, don't forget that many of these materials are translated into 29 languages, including, of course, Estonian. Thank you for tuning in today. Goodbye. Goodbye.